Well, good morning, everyone. Spirit of Prophecy Church. Uh, it's a great day. It's a beautiful day here in Texas. You should come here and see how beautiful it is. Uh, it's, you know, close to fall, but it still feels like kind of a spring day. It's kind of nice out there. Anyway, so today I'm going to talk to you several different things, but it's going to be taming the tongue or taming things like the eyes and our ears. Maybe it seems like I'm going to just be reading scriptures that you probably should know, but are we doing them? But we have to fight for our freedom every day. We have to fight for that walk every day of being delivered, set free, and it's a, it's a daily step. It's a daily change. You know, we're supposed to change our characteristic. We're supposed to change our personality. We're supposed to be more Christ-like. Amen? Do I hear an amen? So to be free, it's, again, it's a step-by-step process. It has to be, you have to make a choice as to what you're going to do. David, you have to make a choice um, every day as to how, how, how much of a Christian you're going to be. Now, it's always a fight because our flesh is also fighting against us, but the enemy's trying to come in to steal, kill, and destroy, to knock you down, and you got to be picked back up. But all these things, again, it's making a choice, a daily decision to walk and to live for God. Amen. Now, are you happy? That's a question. Or are you sad? Are you unhappy? You know, Stan told me once I was like grumpy and mad at the world, probably angry at him, had a frown on my face. Yeah, right, I had a frown on my face, and I'm like, he's like, you know, it's your choice to be happy. You're only as happy as you want to be. And I'm like, ugh, he's so right. I hate that. But it's true. I mean, you know, things, circumstances in life aren't always wonderful. We can't be happy just because others are influencing our attitudes. We have to make a choice. It's on your own. It's not because Stan is in a good mood that makes me in a good mood. It's not because everything is going well at our house or bills are being paid or anything like that. That's not what, that's not what makes us, should make us happy. Knowing we are a Christian, knowing that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, knowing that he is with us and that we are with him, we're serving him, that should make us happy. So again, it's your choice. And yes, it's a daily walk. It's a daily decision. And you can't say, well, God made me this way. No, we have to change things. We have to change a characteristic, change our personality. <laughs> and it's not always fun. You know, this, the, you know truth hurts. Ooh, it's like stepping on my toes. Well, you know, I already came up with this message, so I'm hearing this again. I'm hearing it probably for the mm, fifth time at least after going through all this, you know, the, the PowerPoint. So, you know, God gives me the same message as I'm delivering to you, but truth does hurt. We have to make a choice. We have to. Uh, maybe you've been blamed unfairly. Anybody been blamed unfairly recently? Yeah, it happens. So the question is, do you just blow up? Yeah, at least there's honesty in here. <laughs> do we give up sometimes? Do we just shut our mouths, which is probably the better thing to do, Amen. right? Um, but again, we're letting others influence our attitudes, and we have to stop that kind of attitude with ourselves. We have to, again, make our decisions. Now, our tongue, you know what the scriptures say about that. We'll go through some of the scriptures about it. But our tongue can keep us bound in chains and fetters. Say chains and fetters. 
Yeah, so, you know, it's, what are the fetters? Well, that's being the chains and it's everything walk, like you're uh, in, in, tied up against, you know, like around your, against your will, like, you, like in uh, your ankles and maybe handcuffs or something like that. It makes us powerless over our flesh. So fetters means to restrict the movement, either literally or metaphorically. Fetter is anything that secures and limits the movement of the feet and legs of a prisoner. So the question is, are you allowing the tongue to put you in chains, keep you in bondage, keep you in that chains and fetters? Are you doing that? Because if you allow the tongue just to speak when it wants to speak instead of you thinking before you speak, then you're going to be keeping others bound up but also yourself bound up. In Romans 6:11 through 14, it says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed into sin. What? We're supposed to be dead to sin, right? Dead to our flesh, dead to who we are. That means we're supposed to be changing things. We're supposed to be um, uh, becoming more Christ-like, you know, find out what it means to be more Christ-like. What does that look like? Well, the only way to know it sometimes is to get into the Word of God. So dead into sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord, right? He's the one that, that's, that we should have life and liberty and loving life. Um, you know, just recently, the last, uh, oh, goodness, couple of weeks, um, maybe three weeks, I've had three people in those three weeks say something about, well, are you ready? Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Jesus is here soon. I mean, look up. He's here. I mean, there's those kind of comments. Like even one lady, uh, I was getting going to a friend of mine. She has a business like doing facials and stuff. And she goes, Leslie, I needed to call you. I had this lady come in yesterday, and she scared me. And I said, what'd she do? She goes, well, she came in, and she goes, I decided I don't know if I really should, really should come in to see you today because, you know, Jesus is coming, and I don't know if I want to spend the money to pay you for your services. And my friend Becky says, well, you can't take it with you, so you might as well pay me. <laughs> and I said, maybe you should say, hey, and by the way, I've got some friends that if they can use your money, since you're not going to be taking it with you, you know, I'm sure that they would like for you to pay for their services too. Uh, just again, yesterday too, I was in uh, Hobby Lobby, and this girl checking me out, she's like, um, so, uh, are you ready for Jesus' return? And I said, well, and uh, what are you meaning? Because we need to look up. He's right here. It's, it's time. Any, any day now. And I said, no, we have a lot more we have to go through. And so she goes, no, it's all right here. They're starting animal sacrifice in, uh, in Jerusalem again. And so, therefore, it's time. I said, you know, I said, there's, again, there's a lot more we have to go through. I said, if you're asking if I'm a Christian, yes, I'm ready. I said, but it's not going to just be whisking you up. And Stan says, well, did you say any more? And I said, no, I don't want to get into, a, you know, I want to get out of the store. I don't want to be there for a long time. They wouldn't have received me anyway. And I wasn't receiving what she was saying anyway either. So it was like, so I went home and I asked Stan, I said, are they starting animal sacrifice in Israel? And he goes, this is the story. They, I think, now he could correct us later. I'll probably have him share. But he said, I think there's three red heifers that they are, huh? I don't know where they're from. They are from Texas? And they're, they're sending them to Israel. And so since, you know, they're probably going to start those animal sacrifices, I said, well, you know, for Levitical law, don't they have to do something more ceremonial? 
they well they're yeah they're not going to pass but even if they did even if they did pass i said it's not going to do them any good because jesus is the only sacrificial lamb right he's the only one that's going to have the truth to get to heaven so they're, if they're going to start this, which we know they have to start it because then because the the um, Antichrist stops it in the middle of the tribulation. So I know that's all going to happen. But see, these people, these people that are pre-trib rapture people, they're thinking, wow, this is now it's this time because they're about to start those animal sacrifices. And and they're looking to that. And yet, like there's it's not passing Levitical law, but maybe they'll just they don't care. They're just going to start it anyway. Now, how did I get off on that? I don't know. <laughs> But Hobby Lobby. So the point is, is that yes, we need to be, you know, dead to sin, dead of dead to flesh. We need to be ready at all times. And I get that part. We need to be cleansed at all times. And you know, living in here in America, living in life, just just being a human is not that easy to stay clean and pure all the time. I get it. Number one, say I mess up all the time. But again, we are we can either be bound up or we can be free. One or the other. It's your choice every day how you're going to walk. Now, in uh, Romans six twelve says, "Let not the sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof." So, are you obeying your mortal body, or are you obeying the Holy Spirit? Question. Then it says, verse 13, Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness and to sin, which this is speaking in you know, your sexual areas, uh, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from, from the dead, and your members are instruments of righteousness unto God. So everything that we do, every word that proceeds out of our mouth, if we're going to be holy and righteous and, and look like Jesus, which is a, you know, far cry for any of us if we're going to do that then we have to make sure that we are we are watching what comes out of our mouth at all times we have to also make sure that we're not letting the lust of our flesh guide and direct us and that's you know about not an easy not an easy task however i want you to have a remembrance of this message maybe tomorrow maybe today maybe next week so oh yeah i need to think about how I need to change my character. I need to think about how to change my personality. I can't just say, well, this is how God made me. Because, you know what? We are sinners. And we are all to be changing. All of us are to be changing, becoming more Christ-like. Verse 14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. So we are not to have to be living in the sin. We can live in righteousness. Verse 15 to 18 says, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Well, God forbid. Know you not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? In other words, when someone is bringing you the truth, when they're bringing from the pulpit, they're bringing you truth, you know, listen to what they're saying. You know, you are a servant to listen to who you need to obey, and they're teaching you the Word of God, then you need to obey what the Word of God says because it's coming out of their mouth. Uh, verse 17 says, But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that from a form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. You want to be a servants of righteousness? Wave your hand. 
Hallelujah. That's what I want, and I know you do too. Now, we can either be bound, like I'm sick, I'm I'm dying, my body hurts, you can be full of depression, anger, bitterness, all these things, or we can turn it back to the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, faith, meekness, kindness, those kinds of things. That's what we need to turn it around. We need to turn our thoughts around. Now, you know, maybe there was an argument at work. Maybe there was an argument with um, a spouse. Maybe there was uh, some friend said something. Maybe they looked at you wrong and you think, you know, they shouldn't have done that. Or your siblings or anything. Because, again, people are not perfect and we certainly are not. Who wants to say I'm the first one to say I'm not perfect? Yeah, thank you for seeing every hand. I'm looking. Right. So when, sec- when circumstances um, hit, who and where do you turn to? Now, some people, and I pray and hope it's not someone in here, but if it is, there's a deliverance team, <laughs> and there can be deliverance. Maybe some people turn to medication or alcohol, right? Um other things to numb uh, what they're going through. Uh, if they're feeling anger, they sometimes people feel like they have the right to express it because that's what's inside them right then. But God is telling us to tame that tongue. I don't care who has offended you. You need to get over it. It's time to mature, Christians, right? It's time, again, it is. It's time that we grow up. We can't just stay a child and just get angry and stomp around just any time we want. It is time to make a change. That's the message today, really. Time to make a change. You choose. Anybody want to make a change today? I'm looking again. (laughs) Okay. So remember this message because it is time. Maybe someone really upsets you on the phone. A bill collector. Mm. I mean, it's easy to get angry at them. You don't see them, right? You don't see them, but you got to watch what you're saying. Tame the tongue. Work on taming the tongue. Um, and when you're driving, maybe she has experience with hearing somebody when they're driving. <laughs> or watching the news. I mean, Stan will watch a news program. I won't say the name. And he, you know, he goes, can I come in there in the bedroom and watch it? Why, you know, because I'm getting ready for bed or wanting to kind of calm down a little bit. And he's like, I said, no, because you'll just yell at him the whole time. (laughs) No, you don't just talk to the TV. (laughs) He yells, and they do they listen then? And no, they still don't listen even when he's yelling. But I'm like, they're not listening. They're not doing what you're telling them to do. Anyway, uh, so let me move on. So negative and cursing are blessings and unforgiveness. That's the question today. So negative and cursing are blessings and unforgiveness. We had a friend. um, Actually, he wanted to be in the ministry. This is when we lived in Topeka. And they actually came to our church, and um, he said that he had a really big problem with cursing. And so he decided for, I don't, do you remember him? Do you remember this guy? He, I don't, I know it was for two weeks, but it might have been more like a month. I don't know. But he was going to, every time he could, he was going to keep his mouth taped, keep tape on his mouth so that he could train his mouth, train his tongue. And I thought, well, that's probably actually a pretty good idea. You might want to use duct tape, though. 
that might work better for you. But anyway, so he would put tape on his mouth to remind him to think before he spoke so that he could try to get rid of this cursing. You know, do what it takes sometimes. <laughs> and if it means you got to put tape on your mouth, then put tape on your mouth. If it means you got to have a swear jar, you know, maybe you need to up the ante from a quarter to maybe $20, right? At one time I was um, on the phone, on speakerphone, and I had my nephew Will in the car with me, and we were traveling, I don't know, maybe doing errands around town, and this friend called, and he said a cuss word. And I said, uh, uh, you need to be careful. I said, I have my, at the time, 12-year-old nephew is in the car with me. And remember, I'm a minister. And he goes, oh, oh, no. And I said, you know, do you have a swear jar? And he goes, he started laughing. He goes, he goes I guess I better pay up. I said, yep, you better pay up. And he goes, well, how much should I send him? And I said, 20 bucks. <laughs> And so he says, all right, well, text me your address later, because he didn't live here around here. Text me your address, and I'll send him 20 bucks. I said, okay. I never thought he'd see it, you know. But sure enough, about a week later, Will gets a $20 bill in the, in the mail. <laughs> I said, that's because the man cursed. But it actually taught Will a lesson, too. So, you know, but anyway. So maybe from 25 cents every time you curse, Maybe make it a little bit more damaging to your pocketbook. Anybody have it? No, I'm not going to ask. Um, maybe, again, like somebody friend or somebody looked at you wrong, all of a sudden you have an offense against them, and maybe there was nothing that was meant by it all. I mean, I get into this personality of a prophet mode sometimes, and I have people say, man, you must have been angry at me. Are you upset with me? I'm like, no, no, why was I, you know, or I have this look, I guess, sometimes, or this stern look at sometimes. Maybe I'm somewhere else. Maybe I'm not looking at you. You know, again, Leslie loves you. I love all of you. They, <laughs> there you go. I love you. And I, you know, I would never want to cause an offense to come to you. Um, you'll know if there's something, right? You'll know. I'll speak to you. You'll know. So if it's just a look, don't take it too personally. I will do more than just give a look. So it's just that I'm, yeah, stand right? So I'll give more than just a look, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you need to get your microphone on. I have a question for you in a minute. No, can you get your microphone on? Because I have a question I need to ask you. David, get him the microphone, please. Nope, stand, sit down. All right, so um, now, one of the things you want to do, especially for those that have a family, you want to use the dinner table to talk about fun things, you want to laugh, you know, you don't want to have a lot of negative talk and things like that, so you need to spend time at the dinner table, whether it's just husband or wife or anything like that, don't talk about serious things, political or things going on in the world, I hope Stan is really listening right now, is his ears on, because can you all look over there, tell me, is he hearing me, is he, they're not on, he's not hearing me, <laughs> I need to repeat her, so <laughs> just talk about fun things, enjoyable things, well things you did in your day, but if I ask Stan things he did in his day, it's just kind of yeah, negative, I need to think of another question to get it turned around, I guess, I'll work on that part. I know. I'm just kind of giving you a hard time today. It wasn't always. It wasn't always. 
All right. Do you understand? Okay. All right. So now, don't say no to sin because of feeling uncomfortable. And you think, well, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of weird how you say that. You say no to sin because it's the righteous or it's the right decision. You see the difference? You might be put in an uncomfortable situation and you... You know, you're going to say no because it's making me uncomfortable. Yeah, the Holy Spirit's tugging on you. That's wrong. Don't do that. Don't do that. But you're going to say no to it because it's a righteous decision. And we have to have boundaries. Uh, Again, we can't just say, well, that's just the way I am. That's just the way I want to live. That's just who, you know, how God made me. Those are just my friends I'm hanging out with. Mm. Well... Are your friends righteous before God also? Okay, let me ask this. Are your friends righteous also because you want to choose new friends sometimes? Okay. So, um, again, boundaries, number one, are more about your actions than the actions of others. It's about you. Can't blame somebody else. You can't do the blame game. Anybody ever hear the blame game from people? Yeah. That makes me upset. Well, it was their fault. They did it. If, you know, they accused me. It's always the blame game. It's about yourself, your actions. Number two, boundaries are loving, not mean, vindictive, or punishing. So, again, when you have these boundaries, you're going to have to do it in love. You can't be mean. You can't be vindictive and things like that. And then three is healthy boundaries will always be clearly communicated. So, you know, when you make a decision who you're hanging out with, you need to make those healthy decisions for yourself, those righteous decisions for yourself. Okay. Choose and make decisions that lead to victory and freedom. Remember, it's a day-to-day walk. You're going to walk it out. Daily freedom doesn't just come. Just becoming a Christian doesn't mean you're free. Mm. Wow, you felt free that moment, right, when you accepted Jesus. Maybe at least for three days (laughs) till that horrible luggage kind of kept coming back on your back. But so you make a choice. You're going to have that freedom every day. Is this right, deliverance team ministers, (laughs) right? And even they will say they're not perfect, and yet they go through deliverance very often. So it's a choice. It's, It's the freedom you're choosing that day. Don't choose to say, well, it wasn't that bad. Mm. Everybody makes mistakes. Is Leslie talking to herself? Y'all could have said no. <laughs> I'm not, am I? <laughs> so, <laughs> absolutely not. Well, it wasn't that bad. Everybody makes mistakes. Oh, don't say that. So be very aware and avoid those pitfalls. All right? So you got to look where you're walking, right? you got to see where you're stepping. I'm about to stub my toe. Oh, that hurts. Anybody stub your toes pretty often? Oh, my goodness. All the time. Yeah. I'm, I can't avoid those pitfalls. I need to learn how because it hurts. Uh, I mean, who's ever broken a toe because they stubbed their toe? Oh, yeah. It's bad. It turns black. Yeah, I know. Those are not fun. So be very aware and avoid those pitfalls. I mean, sometimes you don't see them until you're right there in it. True? So we have to think about it. Now, here we get into taming the tongue. We know the scripture. 
It's one we like to avoid. But James 3, 5, and 6 says, Even so the tongue is a little member. It's just little. Everybody look at your tongue or hold it. Hmm. Leslie Ann can see hers. I can't see mine. Uh, Even so that the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire. Just this little bitty part of your body can ignite a fire. It can ignite a fire in a good way. It can ignite a fire usually in a very negative, bad way. A world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body. <laughs> Just because this little thing here. Um, and setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell. That's the scriptures. I didn't just cuss. That's what it says in James 3.6. It not only can cause someone to have a pitfall, that you cause them to have a pitfall and fall to hell, but guess what? It could put you on the path of destruction too. So think and then speak. Everybody say think, then speak. Let's try again. That was not real convincing to me. Think, then speak. All right. <laughs> I'll explain to you later. <laughs> think and then speak. So we got to control the tongue. In other words, we have to think before we just let it just roll out of our mouth. Ugh. Hard to do. Sometimes, and then you want to try to pull it back. Or maybe you don't care whether you pull it back. But the point is, think before you speak. In Psalms 101.5 says, Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Wow. That's pretty strong. But that's the word of the Lord. Him that hath a high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. In other words, he's not going to tolerate it. So just because you are thinking you're right, or just because you're going to... Uh, think it's okay to slander someone. Remember this scripture. Pride. Pride, it'll cut you off. God will say, I'll not tolerate it anymore. I'll not. Amen? Slander, what is it? The action or crime of making a false spoken statement damaging to a person's reputation. It's an action that you do. It's a crime that you do. And it's a false spoken statement damaging to another person. So we don't ever want to slander. We want to tame our tongue. We want to think before we speak. I was pausing so that Venice could make a program. Count me again now. All right, let's continue talking about the tongue. Let's continue talking about how it's a daily process, a daily step-by-step action that we take, things that we have to change in our lives, things that are not perfect in our lives. We know we're not perfect before God, but yet we want to change the characteristics that are not becoming to the Lord. Do you know what some characteristics, personality traits in your own selves that are probably not pleasing to God? Yeah, hopefully everybody knows. Don't think that you're perfect. Don't think that you don't have anything. Because if you think that, come to see me later and I'll tell you. (laughs) 
All right, Ephesians 4.25 says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Lying. Um, you know, the, when you're a child, your parents say, do not lie, right? They teach you about lying. Well, as adults, maybe we don't have somebody watching over us, but we're not to lie. So we need to also not slander. We need to also make sure that we are not lying, especially against our, na- our, our, our neighbors. We, we're supposed to be uh, thinking about that. Gossip. That's another thing our tongue is not in control of. In Proverbs eleven thirteen says, A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. So if somebody says something to you in confidence, you know, they're asking you to keep it confident and to conceal it. Now, if it's, if it's going to be damaging or hurtful to them, like if somebody says to you, I'm thinking about killing myself, that's something you don't keep quiet. You understand? But if uh, someone has something else that they are revealing a secret to you, the things that maybe they're working on and they want you to pray with them on, uh, then you conceal it. Okay, so we see the difference. But if it's hurting or damaging to them, many times you got to go. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to give a false assumption that, that you don't do that. Proverbs sixteen twenty eight says, A forward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separate the chief of friends. So a forward man soweth strife. Don't cause strife. Where there's envy and strife, there's every evil work. Right? So are you causing strife in the workforce? Are you causing strife at your home? Are you causing strife with other people? Are you causing strife? Are you causing strife? Are you causing strife? Well, it's not my fault. They did it. Remember, I already talked about that, right? So we need to make sure that we're not building up and causing strife. Proverbs 20, verse 19 says, he that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets, therefore meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. If you're revealing the secrets, God says to other people, stay away from you. Don't meddle with them. All right? You don't need to be around those. Proverbs 18, 8 says, the words of a talebearer are as wounds. They go down to the innermost parts of the belly. It does. Anybody have something that that's happened to you in the past where someone gossiped about you? Maybe they even slandered you. Maybe they, they said something that's like, that's not me. Anybody have that happen? Where does it hurt? To the very innermost parts of the belly, doesn't it? And it's hard to shake it off, hard to shake it off, hard to shake it off. You have to keep saying, Lord, I forgive them. Lord, help me just forgive them. Help me just to let it go. Help me just let it go. Can you turn on a fan over here? Okay. Proverbs 26, 22 says, The words of the talebearer are as wounds, and they go down to the innermost parts of the belly. He repeats it again. Just seven, several chapters later. Verse 18, chapter 18, then chapter 26. So he's trying to say, people, when you're doing this, you're causing a lot of wounds to people. Or what about boasting? Boasting. Let's going to talk about the horn. So I'll tell you what that is first. The horn is a symbol of honor or strength, but when possessed by the arrogant, 
The horn is said to be cut down or humbled. In Proverbs 27, 2 says, Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth, a stranger, and not thine own lips. Well, I'm so good. Look at me. Right? You don't have to build your own self up. If you're doing right, people will see what's inside of you. They'll see who you are. I know that we sometimes just need to hear, Good job. Well done, that good and faithful servant. <laughs> we all need to hear that. Don't get me wrong. But it says, let another man praise thee. Right? Not from my own mouth. And Jeremiah 9.23 says, Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Well, I have all this money. Guess what? When you start telling people that, Everybody's going to say, and I need a handout, right? <laughs> James 4, 16 and 17. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So be careful because God is not in the boasting of yourself. He will build you up. He will raise you up. Psalm 75, 4 says, and five, I says, I said unto the fools, deal not foolishly, and to the wicked, lift not up thy horn. In other words, don't lift it up. Don't be arrogant. Lift not up your horn on high. Speak not with a stiff neck. Be careful. Proverbs 24, 25, 14 says, Whoso boasteth himself of a false gift is like a clouds and wind without rain. So what happens. Philippians 2, 14 and 15 and 16. Do all things without, y'all finish it, murmurings and disputings. Murmuring, 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 murmuring. You know, God punished the Israelites because they're murmuring. Complain, 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 complain. Who wants to be around that? No, it gets old. That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shall ye shine as lights in the world. He wants you to shine as the stars in heaven. He doesn't want you to murmur and complain about everything. And holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Then first Peter four nine says, Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Ugh. I don't really want them to come over today. Oh. I don't really want y'all to come over and be water baptized today. I do. I want y'all to come. I'm just joking. And so does Stan. He was out taking care of the pool this morning. That's how important it is to us. So we're going to be hospitable when you come. Numbers 14.27 says, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel that they murmured against me. Stop complaining and stop complaining about God. And because I'm telling you, if you're complaining, 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 then it means your God's not good enough. Ooh. I hope that hurt. Ouchie? Put a Band-Aid? Or really wrap it up good? Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. 
You know, when I'm doing the training and equipping and I'm doing um, the prophets' classes, no negative personal prophecies. No negative. You haven't earned the right. No negative. You edify. You exhort. You build up. Is that right, people that have been with me? (laughs) And what will I do if you start? I cut you off, don't I? I have. Nope, not, don't receive that. Start again. That was a negative prophecy. Don't do it again. You haven't earned the right. No. <laughs> He's painting tongues over there. Am I okay? <laughs> so, again, we're supposed to edify. We're supposed to minister grace into the hearers. Right? I mean, God can't trust you to give a negative prophecy. He can't trust you. Because he's going to hurt somebody. <coughs> you know when there's a negative prophecy that you're trying to give somebody, and you've got to think before you speak, by the way, and you deliver it so they receive it, and that so nobody else knows but that person what you're saying. Nope. <laughs> Not when it comes to mind right away. He asked if I had an example. I've got to think about it in a moment. Uh, Romans 12.3 says, For I say through the grace given unto me. Yes, I do have a, I do have one. I do have one. Okay, I hadn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit very long. Hadn't for sure operated in the prophetic very long. I knew there was some kind of calling in my life. Didn't understand what it was. But I was actually, that was very accurate. I could go to church. I could go to Women's Glow. I could do these different things. And I knew things. And I was excited about this gift. And so I um, I was at a Women's Glow meeting. And one of the the ladies that was there, I went up to her uh, towards the end, well, actually at the end of um, our meeting, And I said, the Lord told me to tell you that you're going out, you're leaving your husband and your child at home, and you're leaving with another man. He says, don't you dare do that because you're displeasing the God. And I know because he told me that's what you're about to do. You're planning on next week, and you're leaving. You're telling your husband, and it's going to be for you're going with a girlfriend. And I know that you're not. And God says, don't you do it. Now, that went over real well, don't you think? So um, I was happy. I delivered the word. Well, God told me to deliver the word. I delivered it, and I did what I was supposed to do. Hallelujah. Well, guess what? That evening, I get a call from the president of Women's Glow. She says, Leslie, now there's a, it's a truth that you are very prophetic. You have a gift from God. Well, thank you. However, you really need to learn how to deliver a word, especially when it's going to be not edifying and it's going to be correction. I said, well, I was right. She says, let me repeat again. You need to really learn how to give a word that's edifying when you're going to make a correction. That's something that you need to learn how to do. And she goes, I didn't say that you were wrong. But the girl did not, the woman did not receive it, and she's very angry and doesn't want to even come back to a glow. So what I suggest you do is to call her, humble yourself, and apologize. Oh! But I was right. Didn't matter. 
Didn't matter. I learned a valuable lesson that day. So I don't allow any kind of corrective type of messages. I don't care if the Lord says so. He doesn't want you to hurt them. He wants you to edify them and build them up. Could I have done it in a better way? Yeah, sure could have. I mean, I could have even had scriptures pouring out of her. I could, I mean, my finger was in her face. Mm. I learned, I learned. And therefore, God is, has, can trust me now to deliver it the right way. Do I always do it? Mm. Most likely not, but I try, okay? So be careful. Says to minister grace unto the hearers. We want them to hear the word of the Lord. We don't want them to run away from it, to doubt it, or to get angry at God. So thanks. <laughs> Romans twelve three says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So don't have a critical spirit about you. Number eight, don't be discouraging. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. There's the word again. Edify that it will minister grace unto the hearers. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to him, Depart in peace, be ye warm and filled, notwithstanding you give not those things which are needful to the body, what, profit, what does it profit? And then even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. So you need to do the work. Now, what about dirty jokes? Mm. You know, <laughs> I'm not a real good joke teller. And I had someone, I had my, a friend of mine practice with me on telling jokes at one time because I wanted to be funny. And so she practiced with me on some jokes. And I learned some Lorraine and Bobbitt jokes. And those are not funny. <laughs> I, th I thought they were really funny at the time. And do you know, so I practiced them over and over and over again so I could be funny with my group of friends. Do you know, I can hear a joke, and those are the, uh, when, I say, when someone says, you have a joke, that's the first thing that comes back to me. <laughs> I'm like, I can't say that anymore. I can't tell that joke anymore. So if any of y'all have a good joke to tell me that's Christian joke, I'd like to know so I could practice it. <laughs> so, I mean, it wasn't a dirty joke. It just was, it's just not appropriate. So anyway, Ephesians 5, 4 says, Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. So we can tell a funny joke, and it can make everybody laugh, and it's just you know, heartwarming. So be careful. Now, what about exaggeration? Isn't that a lying spirit? Yep, same thing. Colossians 3, 9 says, Lie not one to another, seeing that you pulled off the old man with his deeds. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from the lying lips, blah, blah, blah. So again, don't exaggerate. What about sarcasm? Prideful heart. He goes, oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> We're not supposed to have a prideful heart. That's what it is. What about not following through? Be a man and woman of your word. Be a man and woman of your word. If you say you're going to do something, don't go back on it. What about outburst of anger? Be slow to speak. Everybody say, think, then speak. Be careful. Don't let that outburst of anger happen. 
Yeah, our thinking and don't speak would be good too. And then it talks about the bits in the horse's mouths. You know, be intentional and speak positive. In other words, you know, Stan goes, I, you know, I do speak. How do you say it? I do speak encouraging and positive because I'm positive and encouraging that the world is coming to an end. <laughs> well, yeah, something, something, something. Well, okay, he's got to say it now. So go ahead. And okay, say so I say, I heard on the radio uh, that they play positive and encouraging uh, messages. And then Leslie one day said, you know, you need to be more positive and encouraging in Prophecy Club. So I got on the next day and I said, I just want to tell everybody that I am positive and encouraging. I'm positive that America is the mystery Babylon, and I encourage you to stop sinning, repent, and turn to Jesus with your whole heart. <laughs> okay, will you go back and listen to this message again I'm giving today? <laughs> we can need a compliment, and we need to encourage, and again, we can turn and change direction of our life and others. If you're naturally critical, then you have to change. You have to make a decision. So here's what I did. Think and then speak. Think is that you're going to speak truth. You're going to help somebody. You're going to inspire somebody. You're going to be nice to them. You're going to be kind. And then speak. You're going to be sincere. You're going to give them peace. You're going to have an excellent spirit about yourself. You're going to take an action, and you're going to keep it. So think before you speak. If you don't, you're going to have stains on your clothes, and it ruins clothes, those stains do. So a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. So be gentle and check your tone. We need to be spiritually minded, not carnally minded. And we need to look for solutions. And we need to not be cluttered in our thoughts. In Luke 6.45, I'll begin to stop with this. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his hearth bringeth forth that which is evil. For the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. That's the message for today. Message for today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. Come on. Come on. There we go. It's time to dance and praise our God. Amen. Let's put our hands together. I will sing to the Lord, and I will lift my voice, for you have heard my cry. Then I will sing to the Lord, and I will lift my hands, for you have brought me out of the pit. For you have brought me out of the pit. I'll sing glory, hallelujah. I lift your name on high. I'll sing. 
Come on, we're going to dance like David danced. Amen. And I will sing to the Lord. And I will lift my voice for you.
Your grace goes on and on, and I will sing of your goodness forevermore. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. And worthy is your name, worthy is your name, Jesus, for you deserve the praise, for worthy is your name, hallelujah. voices and worship him king of kings and lord of lords come on i can't hear you lift your voices he is worthy father god amazed by your grace and mighty name be exalted now in the heavens as your glory fills this place you alone deserve our praise you're the name above all names be exalted now in the heavens as your glory fills this place. You alone deserve our praise. You're the name above all names. Be exalted now in the heavens as your glory fills this place. You alone deserve our praise. You're the name above all names. Exalted now in the heavens as your glory fills this place. You alone deserve our praise. You're the name above all names. Be exalted now in the heavens as your glory fills this place. You alone deserve our praise. You're the name above all names. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. 
Oh 
perfect experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become Come on, I can't hear you. Let us be your presence. Let us experience Come on. the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory. worthy of our worship because you deserve every bit of it we wouldn't be here if your hand didn't guide us if you didn't call our names and we declare you Jesus as our Lord and Savior in the name of Jesus amen you may be seated the name above all names amen um <clears throat> We have um, a guest here this morning, Clarissa, Carlisa, Carlisa. and um, every once in a while this happens, but I have, uh, and also we have another guest back there, Alan, to make sure you welcome our guest today. You want to record this on your cell phone? I have a, a message from the Lord for you. You want to record this? Do you have a cell phone? Is it okay if I give you a prophetic word today? You it's encouraging and edifying. It'll be building up to you. <laughs> you don't Carlisa, you don't understand this is a real blessing. This doesn't happen often. <laughs> so you want to record this. Do you have the ability to record it? Yes. That's okay. Somebody record it for them. We'll get it we to you. We can her. record it and email it to you or something. So who can do that for Someone her? Someone recording it? Eric, will you record it for her? And then get it to her? Can you? Carlisa. Carlisa, okay. right. Carlisa, pretty name. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Carlisa. I thank you for bringing her here today. I ask for that pure word, that sure word, Lord, that's going to edify and build her up and encourage her. Lord, we want your word spoken, not man's. And I know that that's her heart's desire, too. And um, Carlisa, um, I saw you writing out... Um, like a dream that you had. I saw you writing it, and there was some, like, confusion about it. Um, God gives you visions from time to time. He gives you dreams from time to time. But 
you're needing help. You're needing help to know just what, what God is trying to say to you. You have a prophetic calling on your life, but you don't know where to go. You're tired of the nonsense. You're tired of seeing other places, other churches, other things that they're going about doing things, and you're going, there's just something wrong. Even though it sounds like it's all uh, right, but yet something inside, deep inside of you, you're going, that's just not God. That's just not God. They seem to be very close to God, but I know they're not close to God. And the Lord says that there's great discernment that's upon you, and there's a great calling that is upon you, but that he wants to guide, he wants to direct, he wants to show you those things that are going to be an answer to those puzzles, that confusion that you have. He's going to clear the board, clear the board and start giving those words back to you, kind of like a Scrabble board game. It's going to be, you're going to start knowing the right word, and it's going to just fit and it's almost like there's going to be one word, then it's going to be another word, and another word, and it's going to just fit right in place. Right in place. The Lord says that you are a winner, you're not a loser. The Lord says that you are going to have, that you're going to be able to speak into the lives of people, that there's going to have great faith. Your faith is going to increase, and as your faith increases, that you're going to be able to just be in a room, and their faith is going to increase. There's a transfer. A transfer that comes from your hands, from your lips to other people. But this he wants to warn you about. Do not be um, uh, so quick to speak. Don't be so quick to say this is from the Lord. Be able to hear and discern when it is and when it's not. But the Lord wants to clear the air, clear the mindset, clear those things, the things that you've been taught in the past. There's been some things that have been taught that have not been correct, that have not been from him, and you know that. But yet you're saying, Lord, I'm hungry. I'm hungry and I'm thirsty for the truth. I want to know the direction and the plans that you have for me. I want to know. I want to know that the path that you have me on. I want to know right now, and I want to know. I know, Lord, that you have me. I know that I'm in your hands. I know that you're in my heart. But, Lord, I want more. I need more. I need more direction. And God says he will give it to you. You're not here just by accident. The Lord drew you here. The Holy Spirit drew you here. He drew you into this place. This is a safe place. This is a safe place. And you've been wondering, is this a safe place to come? You've been wondering and saying, there's a little things that I'm just not sure about. But, Lord, those people seem a little, sometimes a little off. But, Lord, I know there's something that's just drawing me to them. And, Lord, as the Lord is saying, he says, come to the safe place. Come to the safe place because my truth hurts many times. My truth is a hard, hard word sometimes. But the Lord says, Clarissa, my daughter, Clarissa, my daughter, Clarissa, my daughter, and he calls you his daughter. You'll hear him when he's speaking to you in your prayer closet. My daughter, my daughter, my daughter, do these things. My daughter, do these things. My daughter, go there. My daughter, go forth. My daughter, don't do that. He's speaking to you. He just wants you to tune up the ears. Tune up here what the Spirit of the Lord is saying so that you'll have an understanding, a more clear understanding. Don't take this word lightly. Don't take it lightly, but consider it the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord praise in here. Hallelujah. Carly says she started prophesying to you, I saw a candle in your heart. It's not like a one-stick candle, but it's more like those ones big around like that. But it has a small flame on it. And the Lord says, I've started the flame in your heart a while back. 
But what I'm about to do is turn that small flame into a large flame. And that large flame is my spirit in you and my power in you. And he says, Kalisa, you felt my power in a small way. But if you'll continue to walk toward me, continue to run toward me, I will put my big fire in your heart. I see you laying hands on people and I see them recovering. I see that God wants to use you in the area of miracles. He wants to put even more power in your heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Come up here. Hallelujah. I started to call you up, Cindy. Uh, I, I just sense the shore. Uh, it's clarity in your life, in your direction. And I saw some debris in your area, in your life, in a spiritually. And I saw that beginning to remove as she was speaking. So I just want to share that with you. Amen. Do you receive it? I pray that this minister to you, Clarissa, um, and my church knows that um, we don't like to just give a prophetic word to yeah, someone that's just visiting. This. Happens every once in a while. So um, I hope that doesn't frighten you off, but I hope, I hope to see you. Rarely. I hope to see you more often. Ha- happens okay. rarely. Amen. Okay. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this man of God. I thank you for the message that you have given him to deliver to each one of us. And Lord, open up our ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And give us remembrance of your messages. The message that came this morning, Lord, to tame our tongue and tame our ears, tame our, tame our mouth, to tame our mind. Help us to have remembrance of that message that will be changed from this moment on. And Lord, as he brings the message today... Lord, again, as we walk out those doors, that we'll have remembrance of your word. Remembrance, because I come against every foul and evil spirit, every demonic force that would try to keep us from remembering what you're speaking to us. That deaf, dumb spirit in the name of Jesus, a slumbering spirit you have to get out of here, is no place in this church. We are alive, we hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, and we want remembrance from God. And Lord, I thank you for it, and anoint him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Revelation says, And the Lamb came and took the book out of the right hand to him that sat upon the throne. And when he took the book, the four beasts, the four elders, the twenty-four and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, each of them having harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang as it were a new song, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the congregation says, Amen. Amen. And Lord, we give you praise and honor and glory. This morning we say, Amen. Blessing, glory, and wisdom. Thanksgiving, honor, power, might, bend to him that setteth upon the throne. And Lord, we ask for your anointing to speak to us today. And Lord, we know that our nation is in deep trouble. But we also know that we're in trouble because of our own bad decisions. But we also know that through Christ we can do all things. And we have been preparing for this moment to be a light in the darkness, to carry your gospel to many people, to lay hands on, to see miracles happen in many places. And Lord, we say, here am I, Lord, send me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, I want to first bring some encouraging news to you today. And this is going to be an encouraging talk, by the way. 
So Thursday, I had a 45-minute Zoom meeting with Vicky Goforth Parnell that has had uh, a lot of dreams and angel visits and my opinion, uh, she is hearing from God in a very, very powerful way right now. Matter of fact, uh, of course, Leslie is number one on the list, my list. I believe she hears from God more accurately than anybody on any beating heart on the globe. But on that list, I would also put Pastor C, Vicki Parnell, and also Dana Coverstone. So I had a 45-minute interview with her. And I was inviting her to be a part of the Solemn September Assembly, which she has accepted. And then I was, I wasn't planning on talking to her about this, but I was also impressed to tell her about our vision to find a well in Israel. Now, there's some good news coming. So I, here's what I told her. I said, 1982, Hayseed Stevens, a part-time pastor and full-time oil man out of Weatherford, out of Willow Park, Texas, which is about an hour west of Fort Worth, was invited to go to Israel to meet the Prime Minister then, Menachem Begin, along with another group of oil men. While he was there, he said the Lord spoke to his heart and said the world's largest oil field is located at the southwest end of the Dead Sea. So he said, well, if that's true, it's got to be in the Bible. So he came back and started researching the Bible, and he found 17 verses in the Bible that says, in the last days, massive amounts of oil will be found in Israel. 1995, he started a company to begin gathering the funds to go drill that well in Israel. In 1998, Prophecy Club put him on a 10-city speaking tour where he could go out and cast the vision that he wanted to go drill this well in Israel and begin to gather funds. 2003, he fell dead of a heart attack. His son took over the company and it didn't go well. 2007, his former attorney called and asked if I would be willing to start a new oil corporation to continue the vision to find oil in Israel. My exact words were, thanks but no thanks, my plate is full. Besides that, what do I have to do? I don't know anything about oil, drilling oil. I haven't been around that. I mean, I grew up in the oil patch, but one had nothing to do with it. I'll pray about it, but probably not. So my get me out of this prayer that night was, Lord, as you know, I don't have any extra $5,000 laying around to give that attorney to start some oil corporation. So if you want me to do this, Send the money, right? I mean, right? Okay. I thought, that's pretty good. I got out of that deal. <laughs> Next day, phone call come from the office. Lady called, wants to talk to you about oil in Israel. I had anything to do with oil in Israel. Why do people keep calling me? Well, she's been a faithful $50 a month partaker now for over 10 years. I think you ought to call her. Well, I was going to call her, but now I'm obligated. Thank you for calling. The reason I asked you to call is because Two nights ago, God woke me up in the middle of the night and told me to give you $30,000 to continue the vision to find oil in Israel. Amen. My exact response was, well, fine. <laughs> she said, what? So I explained to her. So she sent the check. It cleared. So January 1, 2008, <laughs> we started the Prophetic Oil Corporation with the vision to find oil in Israel. Now... The prophecy student then decided he was going to do, do a deep dive into the scriptures about all of this prophetic, the prophecies saying about massive amounts of oil we found in Israel. And I found over 30 scriptures that tell that yes, not only is there going to be massive amounts of oil found in Israel, 
But I found the one specific scripture, when you understand it, going back to the Hebrew, and when you understand the five other scriptures that confirm which of the 30 maps I've found on the, on the, on the, on the internet, talking about the 12 tribes of Israel and what land was given to them. If you have the one verse and the correct map, it's kind of like when Indi in the movie Indiana Jones, when they looked at each other and they said, they're digging in the wrong place. Well, there's only one reason why oil has not already been found in Israel. And that is either they didn't drill in the right place or they didn't deal, drill deep enough, right? But there's another spiritual reason. I, I need to, I'll have to bone up on this, but I think it's like Psalm 81 or something like that. But there's a scripture in Psalms that says, if you had hearkened to me and turned to me and followed my statutes, then I would have soon given you the oil out of the flinty rock. Now, oil is not in just a cavern underneath the ground that is just hollow. It is actually in rocks. And the best rock that it comes out of is flint rock. So anyway, I set up an 18-city speaking tour from Beaumont all the way up into Minneapolis, going out, casting the vision, America's Mystery Babylon, you know, Demetrius' message, and also about oil in Israel. June 14th of 2008, I spoke in Amarillo that night after I was done, and I, was, I told this story to, to uh, Vicki Parnell Thursday during our 45-minute Zoom meeting. After I spoke, that night in my prayer closet, I said, Lord, I hope you're pleased with what we're doing. Because not many people, we're spending $3,500 per city in advertising, and not many people showing up, not many people get saved, so I hope you're pleased with what we're doing. And that night I heard words. I mean, he spoke to me. He spoke to me just like I'm talking to you right now. I was asleep and I heard, Stan, I will give you the money to drill the well in Israel. And I answered back. I literally spoke out loud. I woke up and I literally said, I said, the oil well in Israel? There was no answer. There was no response. It was like, son, I said all I'm going to say. <laughs> so, now, up to that point, I'd had nothing to do with these get-rich-quick schemes that always keep coming along where they... Oh, you can sell this soap, you know, multi-level and get rich, blah, blah, blah. Okay, nothing to do with it. But after that, I thought, eh, maybe I should start listening. So about the second one of those opportunities came along, God arranged for us to get into a thing, and I can't talk about it. But I believe that that thing is about to happen, and that thing will give us the money to drill the well in Israel. Now, here's the good news. So I told the story to Vicki. And I said, when we get the money, I want to go over, and there's three places in Israel I want to drill. A northern place, a central place, and a southern place. And I told her about the dream. I guess I should tell you about that. So I had a dream, didn't necessarily ask for it, so this was the dream. have to understand, I grew up, grew up in West Texas. I grew up with a, an oil pump jack literally across the road. It was constantly, well, it seemed like it was constantly going, and it was going, mm, click, click, mm, click, click, mm, click, okay, I got it, I got it. I grew up with that. 
But I didn't want to have anything to do with the oil patch. I had a good friend that died in the oil patch. Several of my other friends died in the oil patch. So, uh, you know, the roughnecks, I'd, anyway. So, I wasn't interested in oil, being in the oil business. All my friends, all my high school buddies, they were all in the oil business some way. Matter of fact, I just went back to my 50th class year reunion. They're still all in the oil business, or they're all retired from the oil business. Some of them made some pretty good money. Some of them got rich from the oil business. Thank you. Yes, I lost my, my, my train. But another train had come along, but she helped me with the train. So the dream was that I was at an abandoned oil well. There was a big chunk of concrete, like about four foot by eight foot, that they put the big pump jack on. And you could tell that crude oil had spilled out under the ground because that's the way the ground looks like when the crude oil a long time ago spilled on the ground. It's like rock hard. Anyway, in this dream, I jumped up on the concrete and I pointed down into the ground and I said, there's oil coming out of that ground. And about that time, down real deep, I could feel it and I could hear it. There was a rumbling. About that time, about eight to ten wells in the distance all of a sudden had water flow. I mean, I had oil flow into the, in the formation and they squirted up about 18 feet in the air and then just fell back silent. Immediately, I turned to my friend that had no face behind me, meaning the investors. I turned to my friend behind me and said, oil just flowed into this formation, quick. We got to go file the papers before anybody finds out it just happened. About that time, the papers appeared in my hand, and we were off to go file the papers to get a lease for that area. So I told her this story. And then we talked for a while longer, and I said, when the money comes in, I want to take a group a very small select group of people, as in like two or three, uh, to Israel. I want to play over, pray over a northern, central, and southern location. And I said, I'd like for you to be one of those people going. I'd like for you to pray about it. And that's all I told her. But to close the conversation, just kind of in passing, I said, and by the way, would you pray and see if God would give you any kind of a word for Leslie and I or for one of our ministries? That's all I said. The next morning I got an email, and the email, or excuse me, the text, said, God said the checks in the mail for Israel. We're filing for our passports and getting ready to go. So I called a friend of mine in a high position, and I told him the story. And he's in a position, a high position, High position so high that I can't say. And he said, yes. I said, I'm not asking for any information. He said, yes. That's all he could say. But to me, I took that as a confirmation. Something big is right around the corner. Now, what's the something big? Now, let me just start by saying, I am not saying there's about to be a stock market crash this coming Friday. God has not told me, let me make it clear, God has not told me there's about to be a stock market crash this coming Friday, September 23, 24, and 25. I'll say it again. I am not saying, God has not told me that there's about to be a stock market crash this coming Friday, Saturday or Sunday. 
God has not told me. God has not told me. But there's four or five other people, some from calculating from having some fancy computers, some calculating from being in the business for years, some calculating from being in the feast, some calculating from being the, the history of the, the various stock market crashes. But the interesting part is I've never heard anybody, much more than one, you know, there's some knucklehead pops up and says, there about to be a stock market crash. But now we've got about five of them. And I got some more emails. I didn't even have time to go through. And they're saying, confirmation, confirmation. So I'm going to say, reasonably, there's at least four to six people that are saying that there's a high probability that there's about to be a stock market crash. Now, the queen just died. So what does that mean? It means no lady died. Or... Like they said, that the British Empire is built upon the throne, the queen. And in that she just died, may have made a very big change in the world financial situation. The way our, the world's finances are set up. We also know that about two weeks ago, the Vatican has required all Vatican funds from around the world to be in the Vatican Bank by September 30th. Who is the richest man on earth? And by the way, it's not Elon Musk. Who's the richest man on earth? The Pope. Who owns the most everything? The Pope. The Vatican. So when the Vatican pulls in all of their funds by September 30th, Is that raising an eyebrow? Because yeah. it should. We should be bending our ears forward like my dad used to say, bend your ears forward, boy. <laughs> we need to be paying attention. In other words, there's a lot of unusual signs. I mean, I'm not trying to be a wild-eyed prophecy teacher here, arms waving, you know, danger, Will Robinson. I'm, you know, okay, I'm not trying to do that. <laughs> boy, that dated me. <laughs> Some of the people are going, what? Some of us older ones are going, I got you, Stan. I know what you're talking <laughs> I'm not trying to be wild-eyed, crazy, conspiracy nut, prophecy student, prophecy I'm not. I'm trying to say that there is a reasonable, a high reasonable expectations that a stock market crash is about to happen. Okay, so what does a stock market crash mean? It means that we are coming from the old system based upon the Bible, a biblical order, to a new world order. And the way you do that is you first come to it financially. So there's about to be a financial change from the old biblical order to a new financial order, and the new one is going to be digital. It's going to be based upon a cell phone. You hide and watch. They're going to, I don't know if you buy it, I don't know if they give it to you, but word is they've already made, they've already made 7 billion of these cell phones. They're going to tell you you can't put a cover on it because as you're holding it, the front and back is always taking your fingerprint, 
You can't turn it off. The microphone, the camera on both sides is always on. You can't turn it off. So as you're touching the phone, it is taking your biometrics, your fingerprints, your voice print, and your face print. You can hand your phone to someone else and say, go ahead, try to access it. No more of this putting in a code. When you touch your phone, it knows who's holding it. And that phone then links up to Elon Musk's Starlink satellites, of which they're going to have 42,000 low Earth orbiting satellites. Why low Earth orbiting? So your satellite can pick it up, so your cell phone, your satellite can communicate. And then they don't communicate up in the air with radio waves, they do it with lasers. Laser is even faster than a radio wave. So this 42,000 satellites is like a big covering around the whole globe. And that covering links into a quantum computer. We've talked about a quantum computer. If you turn your, uh, your garden hose on full blast, that represents the fastest computer humans have ever made. Compare that to the water going over Niagara Falls. That's how much faster a quantum computer is because it's given to us by extraterrestrial galactics. No, 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 no. They're not from another planet. It's the devil and his fallen angels. That's what it is. They're some 6,000 years old. They don't die and they don't forget like the humans. And so they have technology far beyond anything we could possibly think of. Now, why do you think they're doing this? Well, they're doing this so that they can help us so that we can stop the cheating, we can stop all of the drug trafficking, we can stop all of the underground money from going. And if you believe that, I've got some coastal property in Kansas for sale for you. If you'll believe that, you'll believe other things. It's the devil that is moving us from coins and paper that can be anonymous to a new currency system that's going to be digital and he causeth all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, receive a mark in the right hand of their forehead. Is there an amen in the house? Yes. Anybody with me here? Yes. Know what I'm saying? Yes. I haven't even got the message yet. And the message is powerful. And we're going to get there. I'm saying there's a high probability that us Christians that have been mocked and laughed at, we tried to talk to people about Jesus, and the window shade pulls down and the conversation changes and they don't want anything to do with us again. Well, that little smooty attitude is about to have that smoot wiped off their face. God is about to get a hold of this nation. He's going to start with the finances. There's probably going to be a financial crash, the likes of which we have never seen. But it won't just stop with the stock market. It won't just stop with America. It's going to go around the globe. There's about to be some tough times but now, here's the message. <laughs> Lay hands on it. Okay, I'm going to tell you what's about to appear there. I'm going to prophesy two words are about to appear there. Those two words are, fear not. <laughs> See, it was all coordinated. So when I fell to my knees to pray, Lord, what do you want to say to your people tomorrow? 
He said, you tell them, fear not. Fear is not from God. Say it. Fear is not from God. So when this trouble hits, I know it's going to be hard, and people are going to say you're, you're, you're sick, but when the trouble hits, we're not going to fear, we're going to smile a little bit. Now here's the reason we're going to smile. We're going to smile because we can finally start listening to we start talking to people about Jesus. We're going to smile because there's about to be a lot of souls one in the trouble ahead. We're going to get ready. First person that has to get ready is what? Us, right? Oh, it's, it's you, Stan. You need to get ready. Well, <laughs> I'll agree. I need to get ready. Fear not. So I looked up the words fear and not. Would you like to guess how many of those script, fear not appeared in the scriptures? Would you like to guess? <laughs> so you've looked it up. You're very smart. Wow. Okay. So I then began looking through the scriptures and I found some very encouraging things that the Lord wanted me to bring to you. After these things, the word of the Lord came into Abram in a vision saying, Fear not, spirit of prophecy, church, for I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. He is bringing a reward specifically to the spirit of prophecy, church, and to those that have endured sound doctrine and to the world in many ways. He's about to bring a great reward. Amen. Ah, I thought I heard it coming. It was, it was just over the horizon. It took a while to arrive, right? Well, we're not used to hearing positive messages around here. <laughs> and the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, my father. Fear not, for I am with thee, and I will bless thee. And that's what he's saying to us today. Jesus is saying, Spirit of Prophecy Church, I am here. I am with you. Just like we have a guest in here, you say, you know, we seldom give prophecy like, especially not to a guest on their first day, but we ain't running the place. God is. Moses said to the people, fear not, for God has come to prove you. Uh-oh. God has come to prove you? That his fear may be for your faces, that you sin not. So, it's very important in the days ahead, if we want to be protected, if we want to have the blessings, that we fear not, and also that we sin not. Yes? Behold, the Lord thy God has set the land before thee to go out and possess it. As the Lord God of thy fathers has said to thee, fear not, neither be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. So the stock market does fall apart. Next Friday, fear not. Don't fear. Don't you dare call me curled up in a fetal position, crying and saying, oh, this... And by the way, I mean, I'm not giving you stock advice, but I doubt anybody here has any stock anyway. I mean, for you to have stock, you have to have money, and I, you know, probably don't want to have money. So, don't... Move on, Stan. <laughs> Behold, the Lord thy God has set the land before thee to go out and possess it. Fear not, neither need be discouraged. Got that one in there twice. Yeah, I got in there twice. Well, maybe we're supposed to get it twice, huh? And the Lord, he said, doth go before thee. He does go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee. Neither forsake thee. Neither forsake thee. Hey, haven't we heard that? That was the message, what, two weeks ago? Okay. I will never leave thee or forsake thee. Neither be dismayed. The Lord said unto Joshua, fear not. 
be there, be there dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee. And by the way, we are at war. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not holding up signs. They're not beating people up. The weapons of our warfare, warfare are mighty through God are the pulling down of strongholds, loosing the angels to do warfare. Matter of fact, I, <clears throat> when I was talking to Vicki, I said, you know, everybody's, it seems like all the left is coming after DJT. I said, DJT is not their problem. I'm their problem. And you're their problem. Right? Because we know who we are in Jesus, and we know that through the power of Jesus, I can do all things that strengthen us. I'm the problem because I and a lot of the Christians are going to get together September 24th. Don't you think it's... We've been, we've been planning this for a year. We didn't... Took the words out of my mouth. Saturday, it starts at 9.30. That means we'd like for you to be in your seat here in the room at 9.30. Do we really need to come here because we can just watch it online? Yes, you can watch it online. However, we need your body here too also to pray in the room. And yes, we're going to have, we got it all set up. We practice and we're going to be able to see the people that are up there praying. And... Vicky's going to be promoting it, and I think Coverstone's going to be promoting it, though he has not confirmed that to me. <clears throat> but the point is, when two or more agree, it's touching anyone thing will be given them. Amen. Wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. One can put a thousand flight, two can put ten thousand flight. He gave us power and authority over serpents, over scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. We are his problem, not DJT. They're looking the wrong direction. Fear not, neither be displayed. Take the people of war, Spirit of Rosie Church, with thee and rise and go to Ai, or I. See, I have given unto thee the hand the king of Ai and his people in his city. So here's the story, and here's the warning. So God tells them to go to this city. I'm going to say Ai. That's probably not the correct pronunciation, but I'm going to say Ai. The children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan had actually stolen something, causing the anger of the Lord to be kindled against the children of Israel. So Joshua didn't know it. He didn't know that Achan had stolen something from the last city they sacked. So Joshua sent men to, from Jericho to Ai. Sent about 2,000 men up to smite Ai, Make, on, make not all the people to labor there's for there, but a few. Uh, we only need about 3,000 men, and they'll, we'll, the 3,000, we don't need to send all of them, just 3,000 people to Ai. And Ai smote them and killed about 36 men. Now, you don't understand. <clears throat> when they went in and sacked Jericho, the Bible doesn't say this, but I don't think one of the children of Israel was even scratched. They didn't leave and leave with a bruise, much less anyone being killed. So when 36 men are killed, they're shocked. You don't understand. When the Lord is with you, you don't even get a scratch. So they're shocked. So they chased them. And the hearts of the people now melted. One of the things that the world is afraid of in the American military is our American military men are there by choice. Most of them are Christian and most of them have, they will fight to the death. They, they are extremely brave. 
that are very well organized and they are deadly. Now you look at the other armies of the other nations, they're disorganized, they're not, they will not fight to the death. Many times, I mean, the, the motto of the, of the, uh, of the, of the, uh, the Muslims is run and fight another day. Yeah, okay. So here, when God is with you, you have the heart of a lion. But after God was not with them, their hearts melted. So Joshua said, he goes before the Ark of the Covenant. What is this? Alas, the Lord, wherefore hast thou brought us over from Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? God said, Joshua, get up off your face. This is the Johnsonized version. Get up off your face. What are you doing lying down on your face? Israel has sinned, and they transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, and they have taken of an accursed thing. See, because one man took some gold from Jericho, he was not supposed to take some gold and silver and some raiment and hid it in the, 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 the dirt of his tent. He thought God didn't see. Now, this is a real big point. This is where God is bringing it today. Let me tell you where we're going. <clears throat> God sees the heart. He knows the heart. And if anyone has any secret... No, let me rephrase that. Assuming everybody has some kind of a secret sin. That's the best way to assume. Today's the day he wants us to get rid of it. Because we're about to go into AI. And we can't have any sin in the camp. If we want God with us, that's as a team. We can't have any sin in the camp. So he says... Get up off your face. Israel has sinned. They transgressed my covenant. Therefore the children cannot stand before their enemies, but turn their backs before their enemies. Because they were accursed, neither will I be with you anymore. Ugh. Unless or except you destroy the accursed thing from... Okay, all right, what do we got to do? What do we have to do to clean up? Here. There is an accursed thing in the midst of you, O Israel... Thou canst not stand before your enemies until you take away the sin out of your life. So what he's saying to us, Spirit of Prophecy Church, this morning is, Spirit of Prophecy Church, you're about to walk through the fire. You're about to go through a great time of distress. If you want me to protect you, you better get the sin out. I can answer just, okay, yes, all right, okay, fine. Yes, I did sin against the Lord. And thus I have done it. I stole silver, I stole gold, and some raiment, and I took them and I hid them in the, uh, the, the, the floor of the tent. So they ran to the tent. They found the silver and gold. They brought him out. Now what did they do to Achan? Well, they let him out on bail. There was, as a matter of fact, there was no bail. They just let him out so he can go out and steal some more gold and silver. That's what they do in New York City, right? I'm wrong. That's what they do, right? Well, that's not what they did here. Joshua and all Israel took Achan and the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, asses, sheep, and all that he had, everything that belonged to Achan. And what they do? All Israel stoned him with stones, 
burned them with fire, stoned them with stones, raised up a great heap of stones in the day, and the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. There's too many times in America where we are letting sin go by. Like, what's that laptop from hell? What's the laptop? Yeah, yeah, I didn't say that word, though. There's no righteousness. There's no justice. There's not equal justice in our nation right now. So consequently, is the Lord with us? No. It'd be a bad time for America to go to war right now. The Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war, and here's what you're going to do this time. This time, you take 30,000 men of valor, not 3,000, 30,000, and you're going to lie in wait. Here's what you do. When it come out against us, as at first, you're going to flee. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to put one ambush to the west, and then when you've taken the city, you set it on fire. So he says he puts one group to the west and one group to the north, I think it was. And then the, the north group went in, and they started attacking the city, and as soon as the people from Ai came out, they ran from them like they did before. And they kept running, kept running, and all the, 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 the people, the men of Ai, followed after them to kill them. Well, when they were far enough away, <laughs> the other 5,000 over here from the west went in, and all the men were missing, and all they had to do was fight against the women. And they sacked the city, burned the city. That's what it's saying here. So the west side of the city was about 5,000 men there. Then the north side of the city, the liars and wait on the west side. <clears throat> All his people, he wished not that the liars in wait in the ambush against the, the, the behind the city. So they fled into the wilderness, and they were drawn out of the city. Not a man left in Ai or Bethel, and they let the city open. So God arranged a plot, a way, to defeat the city very easily. Then the ambush arose. They entered into the city, set the city on fire. So when they saw the smoke of the city ascended up, they had no power. In other words, the men of Ai, so they... They fled out of the city, chasing the children of Israel. But when they turned back and they saw the city was on fire, they lost all of their confidence. Their hearts just melted. And what happened? They left none of them alive. They killed all of the men of Ai. Well, wow, wasn't that pretty hard? You have to understand. They weren't worshiping the correct God. They were doing sex trafficking, human trafficking, drug trafficking, all the sorts of well, that sounds like America today, doesn't it? So he's saying, if you want me to be with you, Spirit of Prophecy Church, if you want me to be with you, all of you have to be clean. No, no, he didn't say that. No, now is he or is he not saying that? That's what he's saying. The king of Ai that took alive and brought him to Joshua. All the other Israelites returned to Ai and smote it with the edge of the sword. 12,000 men of Ai were killed that day. They utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai, only the cattle, the spoil of the city, Israel took for a prey, according to the word of the Lord. This is what he told them. The king of Ai, well, he was hanged on a tree until evening tide. Since the sun went down, Joshua commanded that they take the carcass down. But what did they do with it? They, they piled it up, or they put it at the, at the gate of the city and put a big pile of stones on it. 
So, God does not think much of sin. Not at all. If we want God to be with us, we have to be clean. So, Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and clean our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, I've got another question for you. When it says confess your faults, is it saying just confess your faults to God? Or is it saying confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed? In the days of great miracles, they would have people confess their sins openly. I remember when uh, Demas Shakarian started the uh, Full Gospel Businessman Fellowship. He didn't know what he was doing, but he just got a group of people and went in and they prayed songs at one of the, <clears throat> this is in California, at some of the, at the, uh, the parks on the weekend, and they'd have different people get up and give their testimony. And people would come forward, receive Jesus, just people walking in the park. They didn't show up to receive Jesus. They are just playing in the park. But they heard the songs that gathered around. They heard the testimony of people, how, what Jesus did for me. They came up and they began confessing their sins before the group of people. So what I'm going to ask you to do in just a moment, and I'll explain to you why in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come forward. Get on your knees if you want to. I'd recommend that. You don't have to. Come forward and confess your sins before God. Why, Stan? Why do we have to do it here? Why, can't we do it right where we're sitting? Yep. Can't we do it at home tonight? Yep. Could have done it last night, too. And matter of fact, you can do it Monday and Tuesday, too. And he's still open for business Wednesday and Thursday, too. But let me tell you why you want to do it right now. I remember in my life, this is for Matt Leslie, made a mess of my life. And I remember the Bible says train up a child in the way he should go. When he old, gets old, he'll not depart from it. And the Spirit of the Lord kept laying on my heart. I mean, I've told you this story when you're coming back from me. I'm not going to go through that story again. So I decided it was time for Stan Johnson to get back in church. I hadn't been to church in and to think that I'd ever be a pastor, <laughs> longest thing. Anyway, so I decided I was going to go home from the bars early tonight. I wasn't going to drink as much. So I went home at 12 o'clock instead of 2 o'clock. I set the alarm to get up and go to church the next morning. And as the alarm went off the next morning, what's, what's going on? My head was spinning from drinking the night before. I know nobody understands what I'm talking about, right? <clears throat> so I thought, hit the snooze button, hit, hurt the, hit the off button next week. So next week I thought, all right, I'm going home at midnight tonight, but I'm not going to drink. So I didn't drink that night. So I went home, went to bed, and clock went off. This time I thought, all right. I feel pretty good, so I'm going to get up. I'm going to go to church. So I went to church, and sometime that week, I had seen this sign out in front of another church there, and it said, a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. A hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. It was in front of a church. And I thought, well, you know, probably somebody's going to make money in front of me, you know, like a church or something like that, you know. Well, what are you doing here, you know? <laughs> 
the devil's tried to keep you out of church, right? So I thought, well, if somebody makes fun of me, I'm going to say, well, I thought this is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. So I had, I had a ready excuse if they were to say to me, what are you doing here? But they didn't. Instead, they welcomed me, took me into a Sunday school class. I sat with a couple of people there. Afterwards, a couple of the girls there about my age says, come and sit with us. And there was a couple of guys, so I went in and sat with them. And I didn't even get set. I mean, the chair didn't even get warm until all of a sudden, and this is a big church, like probably 3,000 people in the church. And uh, <clears throat> about that time, the pastor uh, said something. I, I, I didn't hear what he said. And, but all of a sudden, men of the church started standing up. And there's a, somebody's pushing me, one of the girls pushed me back, go up, go up, push me, what, it's okay, what, what, where, so I stood up, okay, I'm walking down the aisle here, now I'm walking down, I'm going to the front of the church, all these men going to the front of the church, what's going on? So they all get up in front of the church, and then everybody kneels down, and I thought, uh-oh, I can't just stand here. I've got to kneel down. <sighs> so I had just a few seconds to decide, so I kneeled down. Now, here's my point. When I kneeled down at the front of that church, something happened. Because all of a sudden I knew I was talking to God. And I knew God was listening. And it was Stan's time to get real with God. What do you think the prayer was? This was the prayer. I said, okay, God. I made a mess of my life. I know I've done a lot of things wrong. If you'll give me another chance from here on out, I'll read your book, Bible King James. I'll read your book. And I'll follow it. I'll do it right from now on. In Jesus' name. And I got up a different person. So is there, is, is God going to hear you more at the front of the church rather than in a pew or at home or driving down the freeway? Well, technically, no, but it certainly seems like yes. So that's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. I'm going to ask you to come up, male and female, old and young, find a place at the altar. You don't have to, and you don't have to kneel, but I strongly recommend it because we're about to go to AI. We're about to go to battle. There's about to be a great stock market crash saying several people. And if it's not this week, we all know that sooner or later there's a great deal of trouble coming. So I'm asking people that want to to come up, come up here and kneel. And Leslie and I, Prophet Sunni and Apostle Lou, are going to be praying for you.